Hello again, and welcome to another episode of the Help on the Way podcast. As you can tell from my voice, uh, this is Fig. We are gameless tonight. Game is a bit under the weather, so uh, Nob and I decided to just go ahead and uh, truck along and do the podcast without not without sorry game knob why don't you introduce yourself to the listeners hi i'm knob i don't know what to do because normally game tells me exactly what to say at the top of the show and having say to hey. think for myself is really <laughs> difficult i'm going to be honest with you so uh hello all right all right cool um <laughs> good stuff we did not plan this, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Really? <laughs> no. Uh, we have, we have a couple things planned scripted? for tonight. That was not scripted. That was right off the cuff. Uh, yeah, wow. extemporaneous, as they say. It's like jazz up here. It's like jazz. Um, we're going to kind of slow things down uh, with our first Channel 6 news segment. Um, the news broke just a few hours before recording this po podcast that um, longtime Fleetwood Mac keyboardist and songwriter Christine McVie uh, died today at age 79. And um, I, you know, I just want to say that you know, when I was getting into classic rock, uh, one of my classic rock mentors told me that there's something, everybody loves something about Fleetwood Mac. And I didn't realize how true that was until I got a little bit older and realized that I love a lot about Fleetwood Mac. Um, before you know, getting to more of my thoughts about uh, Christine McVie specifically, I just want to know, uh, Nob, what are your thoughts um, you know, about this news that we heard today? It's a great tragedy. I must admit, I'm not the uh, most in-depth Fleetwood Mac fan. I really like what I've sure. heard, but I must be honest with you, I only really know rumors very well. Um, okay. But I... I've been listening to a lot of McVie's songs today, Songbird especially. Yeah. Um, I, she was great. Uh, <laughs> I feel weird eulogizing her because I don't know yeah. the work very well, but what I've heard of it today and in life leading up to today, I've always been very impressed with. Yeah, um, certainly a songsmith, certainly a master of, of pop um, songwriting. Um, you know, it's interesting, my... my inroads into Fleetwood Mac, actually, I kind of skipped rumors. You know, I had heard those songs. Wow. Yeah, and I mean, I listened to the album, obviously, but I had heard those songs so many times on classic rock radio that, and, you know, nearly every song is featured on classic rock radio because it's such a huge album. Mm. Uh, I went to Tusk, and mm. if not, if you've never delved into, you know, the white album of sorts of, um, of Fleetwood Mac, which mm. is Tusk, I would... Uh, Certainly recommend that. Uh, Christine sure. has uh, a number of, of huge hits on that one, um, including the uh, title song, Over and Over, and um, a few others. And then after Tusk, um, I kind of skipped the early 80s one and then got into Tango in the Night, which is like mid to late 80s. And oh. she's all over that album. Um, Little Lies, incredible stuff. Um, uh, everywhere, I'm going to be with you everywhere, which is featured on a car commercial. Um, oh, so, yeah, so uh, Christine McVie um, certainly will be missed, and her contributions to um, pop music and rock music is um, you know, certainly something to talk about and to eulogize. So, you know, I just want to mention Christine McVie. And some Bobby news in, um, you know, less, uh, less sad news. Uh, Bobby's in the news again, as he usually is. Uh, this week, or I guess yeah, last week, probably. he sat in, 
Yeah, I know. This guy's incredible. He sat in with the Terrapin family band, and uh, here on the scene is our intrepid reporter, Nob, to give some feedback on that. It was pretty good. Uh, it was the Terrapin family band. Bobby was there. Holly Bowling was there, which is always... I'm a big Holly Bowling fan. Um, they played some dead tunes. It sounded pretty good. Um... Yeah, it, it wasn't uh, an all-time great show by any stretch of the imagination, but it was very well done. It's always fun to see Bobby playing. Where were they playing? Uh, California. Oh, I don't know where they normally play now, because they used to do the Terrapin yeah. Crossroads, but Every there is crossroads. no Terrapin Crossroads anymore. Okay, so uh, they were like the house band for Terrapin Crossroads, and now they've been dispersed. Yeah. And they're still... Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. Uh, the other the other piece of Bobby news that we have for last week, I suppose, is uh, his CBS Sunday morning appearance. Uh, Bobby was on. Um, they had a segment about him and his work with the Symphony um, a couple months ago, um, and it was uh, a really really cool thing. It was it was really cool to see Bobby in his element there. Uh, in his beautiful house. Now, what did you think about the CBS Sunday morning um, clips there? I thought it was a lot of fun. It was a nice insight into Bob and especially current Bob. I feel like we've gotten a lot of the behind the scenes of, of earlier projects of Bob, obviously. Bob's talked at length about doing The Grateful Dead, uh, 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 what Rat Dog was like, even like further and Dead and Company, but not a lot of stuff on the Wolf Brothers and especially these more contemporary wolf pack, adding even Jeff Comenti to the band, just these extra layers. So that peek behind the curtain was really nice. I really mm. enjoyed the clip where the orchestra guy tells him that it feels a little bit fast, and then Speed Demon Bob Weir goes, we'd be <laughs> totally comfortable to slow it down. That got a very healthy chuckle out of me. Um, yeah, I really it's, enjoyed it. It's gotta be... Yeah, it's gotta be difficult for him to engage with you know classical classically trained musicians because he never yeah. had that opportunity to um you know become that that sort of musician although clearly he could have because he's absolutely brilliant um he can't uh, read music which i could you know not, not many well a, a lot of the bigger uh, like say paul mccartney for example um yeah. musicians from the 60s they just yeah that's not how they came to their you know that's not how they came to their fame. So yeah. that doesn't really surprise me, but you know, playing. yeah, exactly. And just, and just wrote memorization, which is probably what Bobby had to do um, to, to, you know, be such a success with this, with the orchestra. Um, so that was kind of an interesting uh, dichotomy there. Uh, it, he also touched on something that we talk about in the show from time to time is about how these Grateful Dead songs, you know, they actually, you know, the band members who are singing the song or playing the solos are actually inhabiting characters. And I thought that the discussion of characters was interesting. It's something he came back to quite a lot. Yeah. I, I've always liked the idea that for a temporary period of time, the band really are just leaving their bodies. And in a song like Loser, for example, they're just letting the loser take over for five, ten minutes, tell his story, yeah. and then leave. Certainly Warfrap. Um, I hear that a lot. Yeah. Um, I think Jerry really identifies with that main character, um, just in like a very deep, personal, you know, um, yeah. connection space. 
Uh, Loose Lucy clearly Jerry identifies with that character. Um, yeah, it it just speaks to Hunter's strengths that there are just so many identifiable characters built within often very short, very simple songs. Um, yeah, absolutely. And that's part of what makes the Grateful Dead special and, and timeless. So it's cool to hear him talk about so, that. Yeah. Um, so uh, the CBS Sunday Morning, you can find it on YouTube. Um, I think there's an extended version on YouTube. It's around 13 minutes. Definitely worth a listen to if you missed it um, last Sunday. And we are going to continue on to our week's show. I uh, should have introduced this earlier, but you know, I'm not the host. I'm the co-host. Um, this week's show is from October 29th of 1977. That's right, a fall 77 show. This is actually Dave's Picks 33, uh, if anybody has a Dave's Picks. Um, but I didn't think you really needed a Dave's Picks. The, the, the sound quality was fantastic on this show. Uh, certainly another Betty board, and there were um, a bunch of audience tapes around. So I was listening to some Matrixes, and I was very happy with, with the sound. Um, the, you know, the last yeah. couple of shows have been odds, um, either odd only, or I would listen to the odd on purpose. And this one was just fantastic to have that matrix. Uh, but this is from DeKalb, Illinois, in the Evans Fieldhouse of the Northern Illinois University. This is a Saturday show. So as you may have guessed, the encore was one more Saturday night. And it was a rip-roaring, uh, beautiful, um, recorded uh, Fall 77 show. I'm just going to go ahead and read through the set list for set one and before I kick it over to Nob for his reactions. We start off with Might As Well, and that goes into Jack Straw. And then we get into a Dire Wolf, followed by Looks Like Rain, A Loser, El Paso, Ramble on Rose, New Minglewood Blues, It Must Have Been the Roses, and the last song of set one, which is a pretty long set one, was a Let It Grow. So, Nob, what are your thoughts? Sure. I really enjoyed this set one. This whole show, it's a powder keg of energy, um, and it's very interesting in that at it, if you stare at any of these songs too long, you start to see a little bit of technical sloppiness, some clams from Keith, hmm. some messed up transitions or whatever. But the energy is just electric. Uh, uh, Jerry is having a great time. Bobby yeah. is having a great time. Uh, at one point, Phil says this is the happiest day of his life, and it 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 sounds like <laughs> it. It's great. Um, the might as well is a particular highlight of this set for me. I often think that dead shows yeah. usually just take a song or two to get cooking. Very rarely are openers highlights, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. This is a show that the opener is a highlight. Phil is on fire, and Jerry, oh, I, Jerry's throwing in all these whoas, might as well, might as well. He's having a great night. He's having yeah, a blast. The, the pregame was, a, it, was working yeah. for him. Yes, it was a really <laughs> good sign of the night to come. Uh, yeah. A fun Jack Straw, a clean opening, which I was very impressed with. Uh, there's a nice tension and release on the Jerry Bobby parts. It's quiet and it kind of feels like it could burst at any moment. The jam has some really nice energy to it. Um, from Direwolf onward, I must express one little uh, complaint that I did have with this show is that the drummers were leaning a little too much into this regular shuffle groove. And it was okay. 
nearly every song at from this point onward has it. Dire Wolf has it. Loser has it. Ramble on Rose has it. New Minglewood must have been yeah. the roses. And it, that starts to feel a little repetitive. But I'll never really poo-poo a Dire Wolf. Uh, it's got some really good vibes to it. Um, the Looks Like Rain didn't initially wow me. But by the end, it was one of my favorites in this set. Uh, Keith and Jerry were adding these really noty lines, which was really lovely. This song can feel kind of sparse sometimes, and having one just busy part was just, it was a nice central focus, and it almost started to sound like rain falling down at times. That was really Gosh. nice to me. That's a highlight. I didn't care for Loser. That, uh, that might oh. wind up being my hot take of the night. It's very fun. Very hot. Spicy. And I would, I would probably enjoy dancing to it if I were there. But this is one of those songs where the drummer shuffle really starts to lose me. Because I can see that. It just, there's a desperation to Loser, which makes it an interesting song to me, both lyrically and musically. When Jerry is singing Last Fair Deal in the Country, there's something about mm -hmm. it that, to me, feels like a hopeless man holding on to what little hope he has left. And I do not hear that in this. This song is a blast. This loser is having a really yeah. nice time. And it's just a weird vibe. A great, great guitar solo from Jerry here. I wouldn't call this a, yeah. a least favorite of the set in good conscience, but it, it's not my favorite. The, the ending of it starts to win me over, but it just feels weird to me tonally. Um, very nice El Paso. Not every 77 El Paso is good. Uh, this is a really good 77 El Paso. Bobby is on it. The whole band is able to build and get quiet together. And Jerry has some lovely, lovely licks over the top of this. Uh, Ramble on Rose is the song that I wish Loser was. Or I guess is the song that works in the way that they were trying with Loser. The shuffle worked for me here. It had a really good dancey yeah. groove. Uh, the first chorus, they missed the hits, and I'm a big fan of those bump, 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 ramble on road, that bit. But oh, yeah, it, it was really nice uh, moving forward. Uh, the drummers got a little more into it and following this specific song. Uh, the bridge was really nice. I, I, the take you to the leader of the band is one of my favorite like lines of dead music. It's up there with while Lady Lullaby sings plainly for you in Crazy Fingers. It's great. Just really nice. And this is a very early appearance of in 77 Donna started adding these yeah, yeah. <laughs> at the end of Ramble on Rose. This is probably she's only probably been doing it for a couple of months at this point. Uh, and it was cool to hear that New Minglewood's great. You could tell that Bobby is having the time of his life here. Uh, just his vocal delivery is great. Uh, Keith's a little too loud in the mix, in my opinion, yeah. but he's adding some cool sounds here. Uh, and Jerry's got a great solo, which is a common theme with the show to the, the point that it starts to feel weird to point it out. But mm -hmm. it was a great solo. My low point of the set is Must Have Been the Roses. I really like Must Have Been the Roses, but this one falters for me in the same way that Loser does. It's almost like they're scared of doing ballads in this set. It, this is the most fun Must Have Been the Roses I've ever heard. And it's a testament to the energy that they have tonight. Yeah. But it's, 
it's weird for must have been the roses. Um, and it's funny because when they start doing Let It Grow, this is one of the only songs they play in the set that isn't in a shuffle groove. It's in a more straight 4-4. Four, four. Mm-hmm. And the drummers, you can kind of hear for a minute, struggled to adjust to it. They definitely <laughs> have been shuffling a little too long that doing 16th notes. It just takes them a minute. Uh, once we get to the jam, this Let It Grow starts cooking. Jerry's solo is great. This is Jerry solo is a highlight of this set here in Let It Grow. The ending half has really nice energy, and it's a tight Let It Grow ending for a very energetic and slightly sloppy show. I really enjoyed it. Um, Yeah, overall, I do think that you get this trade-off where it is a little less technically perfect, but you get incredible energy out of the band, and to me, that trade is worth it. What did you think, Fig? Uh yeah, I, I I thought some of the uh, same things. Like overall, we definitely are on the same page. Um, I got some nitpicky, um, you know, uh, differences in in opinion, but we'll get to that. Um, yeah. the, the the highlights for me was just Jerry's playing. Um, you know, we listened to a lot of different uh eras of the Grateful Dead, um, mm-hmm. and some of those eras people don't listen to on purpose. And part, you know, when you, when you get a 77 show, you know, what really, sh- you know, really jumps out after hearing, you know, the 93s and the 94s and the 87s and the what, what have you, is there's so much try in Jerry's mm-hmm. playing. He was painting his masterpiece tonight and he was, yeah. and he was emphasizing different styles and different techniques and just, you know, just there's so much personality and fun coming through his guitar uh, through the entire um, through the entire night, uh, definitely set one, and I and I agree with you that at times, you know, Jerry was just a little bit inappropriate for some of the songs, but uh, part of when you know the might as well, uh, that's not one that I rate too highly. Like you know, like this is kind of like a first set closer, or you know, just kind of a throwaway yeah. song. But this one rocked, man. Like yeah. oh, this yeah. was it, it, this was one of those songs I wrote down. It was like if you want to show your friends like a you know, a fun, good Grateful Dead song, or like, if you want to be the guy at the party that does throw a Grateful Dead song on, you could actually get away with that by putting on the 102977 might as well. Uh, just from Jerry's opening lick, I mean, you know, the band starts and Jerry just 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 starts like bending a note, just... <laughs> it's just so good, and he's there. He's having yeah. so much fun, and it's just lovely to hear, and it really sets the tone for the night. Um... Two other things about the tone for the night. Uh, Phil Lesh was all over the place in a good yeah. way, like like just yeah. just ripping the entire night. And also, right, again, right. I cannot emphasize how good of of the sound you can get on the soundboard on any of the Matrix. I, I use the Usborn uh, Matrix uh, when I was listening, and it's just mm-hmm. phenomenal stuff, really. So again, it's wonderful to have uh, this at our disposal. Uh, Jack Straw. I don't have too much to say about it. I just wrote that it was uh, pretty good. Um, Dire Wolf, I just wrote that the sound is so good. It just, you know, just what Betty was doing was really captured um, in Dire Wolf. Yeah. And looks like Rain, uh, Bobby, and, and Donna Jean just sounded great w- with their duetting. Uh, Loser, um, I thought Loser, well, Jerry's solo was just fantastically emotive. Like, there's so much emotion pouring yeah. through his solo. And I actually, I like the dynamics in in um, Loser. I thought that at first they weren't getting there, but then I think once they got to, I guess you can tell the 
Queen of Diamonds by the way she shines and it, it kind of build up back again. Yeah, yeah, the dynamics actually really worked, but that's towards maybe the end of the song. Um, El Paso. So this was just like, um, yeah, it was a normal El Paso, but then Jerry starts doing this tremolo guitar to make it sound like a like a Mexican like style instrument. Yeah, and you know he was just emphasizing all these different techniques that he has, and it just sounds so good. Um, let's see here. Ramble on Rose was a bouncy version, so um, yeah, it's definitely a shuffle. Um, again, another Jerry highlight. Uh, a Jerry solo was a highlight for me, and that solo had so much humor and so much personality in it. And yeah, I felt you know that's something that uh, whenever I listen to Cornell seventy seven is that's the takeaway I have. Um, uh, and, and they love each other. You know, Jerry's first solo is just it's just fun and hilarious. It, it reminds me of Charlie Chaplin walking. You know, it, it's it's mm-hmm. just silly, right? And I think that that's what uh, uh, Jerry was uh, channeling in October twenty ninth seventy seven. Uh, as well, so really cool to hear. Uh, New Megawood Blues. They start with you know one of their extended you know um, uh, tuning breaks, and they talked about someone having a birthday. Did you catch whose birthday it yes. was? It was? Yeah, who was that? It was Sound Guy Harry. 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 <laughs> I don't know. I, I yeah, missed Harry his something. last name. Harry something. Yeah, I wrote I Harry's like, birthday. <laughs> I like. I. Uh, at one point, I think Harry himself just yells out, "I warned you about this." Because they realized that they had no way to end what they were doing. <laughs> Jerry was desperately trying to get the drummers to stop doing what they were doing. Yeah, the drummers they, were just like drumming him onto the stop. stage. Yeah, I'm sure he's just waving to the Northern Illinois audience there. So yeah, so New Megawood Blues happened, and again, Jerry's stylistic shifts were were definitely emphasized throughout. And then yeah, so Keith actually. Uh, was very high in the mix um, on this one, and it was interesting because, you know, one of the I guess detractions or one of the critiques people have about Keith is that he never really engaged with uh, synth sounds and never really changed his his piano sounds a little bit. And he actually tried that I feel on New Middlewood yeah. Blues, and he put you know some distortion on it or maybe some overdrive or something. Um, but I'll be honest, it sounded terrible. Like it sounded yeah. like he was farting through his uh, <laughs> keyboard. Um, and so maybe that's why he declined to, you know, change with the times. And, you know, maybe that's why he eventually, um, you know, uh, his time with the band was done. Um, and, you know, why they gave full reign to Brent to, to add, add that kind of color and texture, which we know that he did so well. Uh, we get into Must Have Been the Roses, and I don't have too much for that, um, there was a uh, kind of a dual guitar solo in the intro, so Bobby and Jerry played that intro very well together. And then Let It Grow, uh, I thought, had a very good galloping pace. And then Phil is... This is probably the song where Phil kind of takes over the night. And that bleeds over into the second set, which I will read to the uh, audience right now. Uh, it starts with a Bertha into a good lovin' straight in. So, like, you know, definitely a sweet Bertha good lovin'. Into Friend of the Devil, Estimated Prophet. And then we get this final sweet here. So it's Prophet, Eyes, into Space, into St. Stephen, into Drums, Not Fade Away, into Black Peter, Sugar Magnolia. And then, as I said before, we have an encore of One More Saturday Night. Uh, Nob, what are your thoughts? I liked set two as well. All right. Um... It was a surprisingly mellow Bertha, uh, both yeah. by Bertha standards and by the standard set by that first <laughs> set. I was very surprised with that Bertha. I like um, my Bertha standards. It's pretty good. 
<laughs> the drummers are into it. Uh, Jerry Solo is, like many songs, where this thing really gets cooking for me. Yeah. Um, after that, they're really into it. There's a nice honed in and then released energy in the, the Test Me, Test Me verse. Uh, the mm -hmm. ending's nice, uh, slick, classic transition into Good Lovin'. Uh, <laughs> I don't have a lot to say about this good loving. It's one of my highlights of the show. Yeah. <laughs> the only wrote I wrote down was this good loving fucks. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's really good. It's like it's, it, yeah. I mean that's its namesake, right? Like it's if 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 there is a a, a trade off between technical precision and high energy, and I don't know if there really is, but let's just say this exists on some sort of spectrum. This good lovin' is the perfect middle. This has the exact right balance of technical precision and uproarious energy. Right. I I really I can't. It's only six minutes long, and I cannot speak highly enough of this good lovin'. Well, I seem uh, to recall that Bobby and Donna at the end were just kind of screaming, like yeah. both together, which kind of you know you could construe to be good lovin'. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, it, it definitely got there. I, I yeah. totally agree with you. It fucked. Yeah, good job. Yeah, about we'll the NSFW. This one, we'll have to tag it. Go ahead. Sorry, this. Oh, is we can say it what we... four times? Is that how we do it? <laughs> I don't know. If Jerry can say it in Warfrat, I think I can say it once while talking about good loving. <laughs> right, go um, that's always been my rule of thumb. If Jerry says it, I can say it. Um, yeah. Friend of the Devil is really fun. Uh, I don't always love. Slow friend of the devil, but yeah. this one has a lot of moving parts to it, which was really nice. Uh, the harmonies were lovely. I loved hearing the interplay of Jerry and Bobby supporting Keith's little solo, which is kind of the only solo he has this evening. Uh, the end of the solos, especially going back into the bridge, is a lot of fun. This, in set two, we get to the level of quiet and patience that I was hoping for in songs like Loser and Must Have Been the Roses. This this friend of the devil is exactly what I wanted out of Loser in its ability to just be patient and sit with itself. Uh, the estimated eyes space is a highlight for me. Uh, I really enjoyed the mix between the danciness of the verses of estimated and the tension that's always just part of that song. Um, the jam uh, is especially great. I don't have a lot to say. I just kept, like, every minute of the estimated jam, I would just pump my fists in the air again because it was still really good. Yeah. Uh, the transition into Eyes of the World was really nice. Uh, surprisingly slow eyes, again, for a show like this. Mm -hmm. But I do appreciate it having a more laid-back groove. Um... The the cut to the I just did the soundboard and the cut to the odd during Eyes of the World was tragic. Yeah, but, that happened on 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 the Matrix as well. Yeah, but when we get back into it, it's really nice. Jerry's solo on Eyes of the World. I know I've highlighted pretty much every Jerry solo, but this one is a favorite for me. It's a real energizer bunny of a solo. He just keeps going. He just every time you think, all right, he's done. He's played every lick that he's got for this. He's got more. It was great, and I loved the free jamming, the the space that we got out of eyes. It was just a masterclass of the interplay between Jerry, Bobby, and Phil, mm -hmm. and it takes us on a surprisingly defined journey to St. Stephen. Um, yep. It's a good Stephen. Uh, in the 70s Stevens, like I've been saying tonight, my I guess my big phrase of the evening is trade-off. 
with the 70s Stevens, you lose the frenetic energy that you get from the fast 60s Stevens. But the trade-off is that you can get some actual improvisation on it. And this is a great example of that. You get a great first solo from Jerry, which genuinely wouldn't be possible over the uh, 60s Stevens. It's lovely. The bridge was really nice. I really like how they do the bridge in the 70s when they lean back more into having the drummers keep that triplet time. Mm-hmm. It's just pretty. Um, the ending jam was fun. It, it almost feels like, I don't know where this jam started, but a lot of St. Stephen's that Bob Weir and or Dead & Company do these days always have this fake-out 11 jam where they're, they're not going into the 11. They haven't finished playing St. Stephen yet, but they're going to do a, a quick little 12-8 jam on the same chords as the 11, mm-hmm. and you think for a second, oh, shoot, we're about to go into the 11, but then it gets really hype when they go back into the Stephen riff. Mm-hmm. This isn't quite that, but this very much feels like a proto version of one of those 11 fake-out jams. Um, very nice, Steven. Very nice drums. I-, I loved, I always love hearing Phil and the drummers jam together. Um, it was great. Really nice, not fade away. The energy was great to it. Uh, Donna and Bobby were having a blast. Uh, the band was really enjoying having the moments of silence followed by the explosions of energy. Uh, and then we get to my other highlight of the set, which is Black Peter. Mm. This is everything I wanted from It Must Have Been the Roses in set one. It is incredibly patient. It is incredibly emotive. It is incredibly sensitive. Jerry produces a gorgeous, gorgeous solo. I, it's one that's really hard for me to intellectualize because I it was just pretty. Uh, and that's what I really wanted from a ballad on a night like this. Um, and then we get some really nice energy to cap off the set. Uh, Sugar Magnolia is the perfect set to closer for a night like tonight. Uh, that jam right before the Sunshine Daydream is the exact energy you want at the end of a show like this. Uh, and then a fun one more Saturday night to bring us home. Uh, very disco-y, almost like pre-disco dead drums from the drummers here. Um, it's a fun time. What did you think, Fig? Yeah, um, I, I will echo that. Uh, this was an awesome set, too. Um, so they come out, and yeah, Bertha kind of lacked some energy to begin with, um, which yeah. was surprising to me. But um, by the end, they definitely uh, you know, found that gear again, and, and that kind of uh, propelled them for the rest of the set, because I loved the segue into Good Love, and, and it was good, and you know, it was it was good loving. It, it was it was exactly what you said. So, friend of the devil. I I am a fan of slow friends of the devil. You know, one of my you know segues into uh, the Grateful Dead fandom and you know getting on the bus was the friend of the devil on Dead Set, which is uh, what is that? That's from eighty, right? Eighty. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So not too long after seventy seven, still a slow friend of the devil. Um, Obviously, different keyboardists, but um, this one just wasn't doing it for me. It was pleasant, hmm. but a bit uninspired. Yeah. It almost sounded like a Jimmy Buffett song to my ears. Like it was kind of elevator music in a way. Um, but it was nice. I mean, you know, what, what can you say? It, it didn't grab me like the one from from Dead Set does, um, sure. which is maybe an unfair comparison. But hey, it was a you know Fall '77. I, I thought there'd be more to a slow friend of the devil. 
it's fine. Yeah. We'll move on. Uh, estimated, um, the uh, Mutron solo uh, that Jerry does uh, throughout yeah. is just fantastic and and is not to be missed. Um, it's just great. Again, hearing his bag of tricks, you know. Um, into Eyes. So I actually really liked the tempo of Eyes, which is strange because... Oh, you know, I think I like slow eyes. I think I think my critique sure. on eyes is if it's too fast, it gets a little hokey and it sounds oh, yeah. maybe a bit dated. So this was a bit, you know, they were back in the pocket, a um, little bit slower tempo for uh, eyes, uh, which I really liked. At times, it just felt like the guys were playing jazz. Like it felt like modern, modern yeah. jazz. Uh, Phil is all over the fretboard, just just everywhere. Um, and, and that transfers into space where, yeah, so the, at, at the end of space, we get some fill bombs and then Jerry has this vibrato that he's doing. Um, and that, that leads to, so, and they're just jamming on that. And, and that's awesome to hear, um, going into St. Stephen, which was, um, a great, uh, version of St. Stephen. So, you know, last week's show was, what was that? 69 before they went into, uh, the Playboy after dark, um, you know, yep. the, the night before that, and they played St. Stephen. I wasn't into that St. Stephen. I was very much into this St. Stephen. Uh, it, was a, it was a bit slow. Again, they were back in the pocket, but it got it got big, and um, it was slow and smooth, um, which was pretty cool. Uh, we get into drums, and I'm sad that our friend Game is not here because it was only three-minute drums. Um, and it segued uh, nicely into Not Fade Away, which was fun. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, uh, so yeah, drums did not fade away. Uh, was awesome. Uh, Donna Donna is screaming her guts out. Uh, Black Peter, yeah. I unfortunately have nothing for. Um, oh. Probably just because I just didn't get around to it. Yeah, I think the end of the set was just I didn't get around to uh, you know uh, listening critically to it. But Sugar Magnolia was interesting because I think it was two weeks ago that the boys started playing. Hmm. Was it Good Lovin' or was yes, it Sugar Mags? It was, and they, it was the Sugar Mag jam into Good Lovin'. Right, but they just kind of stopped playing Sugar Mags and just started playing Good Lovin'. Like you're yeah. you're not you're not hearing Sugar Mags tonight. So it was kind of interesting that tonight we actually did get that that pairing in set two. Uh, so that was cool. And then uh, one more Saturday night. Yeah, it was a good way to end end the set. Um, really fun and and just a, a hot night in in Decaub, Illinois. Um, what a sight that would have been. What is your Book of the Dead take, Knob? Does this make your Book of the Dead? No. See, I heard this... I've listened to this show before. And okay. going into this, I genuinely thought, yes, I know going into it, this is a Book of the Dead show for me. But I didn't love it as much on this listen as I thought I was going to. I liked it a lot, as you could tell from all of the stuff I said. But mm -hmm. I, I don't... I feel like it just falls short of being Book of the Dead for me. Um, and I feel bad, because I know it's a beloved show. But And there are bits of it, you know, it's a, it's a Book of the Dead might as well. But, no, <laughs> it's not a favorite show of mine. Interesting, okay. Yeah, I, I would rate you? this a... Yeah, I would rate it a yes. I am a 77, you know, sucker. Um, clearly, I'm, I'm more aligned with Spring 77. Uh, some of the polish had worn off by the fall. Um, but just, you know, they were, they were firing on, on so many cylinders, uh, you yeah. know, and, and you could just from my reactions to the, to the sets. Yeah, this was a great show. I, I really liked the show. And then 
probably the icing on the cake that you know cementing this in my book of the dead is just the awesome uh sound quality just a beautiful yeah. sound quality um so that's another reason that i'm gonna uh, give it a yes and um it'd be, be interesting to hear what our friend game has to say um but actually so which set so game could have been the tiebreaker i yeah. will start off which set just for some dramatic tension um yeah, this was tough. This was tough. The might as well was so it good. Um, but but there were some songs in the first set that were not doing it for me. I'm yeah. gonna go with the second set. I'm I'm thinking the same. Uh, there are absolutely highlights of the show in the first set, but yes. I also think all of the lowlights of the show, in my opinion, are in the first set. Um, set two is just a little more consistently strong. Yeah, and there's no, you know, 30-minute <laughs> drum space for um, for our yeah. audience to, to have to listen to. Um, just just yeah. some really good music throughout, you know, a good chunk of music. Uh, we did not get any Reddit comments again this week, and there's a good reason why typically we are stickied up there on top of the, um, the Grateful Dead subreddit. And lately, um, there's been a few stickies that I thought you know, should have more prominence than the weekly show. So I haven't been uh, publicizing, I guess, the weekly show so much. I haven't been seeking them. So it gets buried pretty quickly in people saying that they made, you know, the Grateful Dead made their Spotify yeah. uh, <laughs> yearly, you know, I'm top 0.5 of listeners, or here's my Grateful Dead tattoo, or look at this poster. It, you know, there's 100 Grateful Dead songs buried in it. You know, those kind of yeah. posts. So uh, there was no. Who would, uh, who would own a poster like that? I don't know. I don't know. Some knob. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about uh, it has next a week's truck, show. and it's supposed to represent trucking. It's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a there's a star, but it's it's shaded in. It's a dark star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, For that classic Grateful Dead song, Ripple. Yeah, yeah. Ripple. <laughs> There's a guy eating peanut butter ripple ice cream. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. I'm not. I don't want to yuck on people's yums, as as the say the saying goes. Um, so let's on uh, my own yum. Apparently. Yeah. 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 That's okay. I, I figured it was your dad's thing. It's um, it's for both of us. Okay. All right. It's the family's thing. <laughs> all right. So let's dip into another Saturday. They show. I, you know, actually, I, I yucked on 1987's Yum, and this is from November 7th, 1987. Um, right. So maybe I will be eating crow like our friend Game does from time to time. Because um, we start off with a Hey Pocky Way, which is an Always awesome way to start a, sh a show. Yeah. Um, I talked about Jerry painting his masterpiece, and we get a we get a when I paint my masterpiece. Nice. Uh, Box of Rain, Cassidy into, oh, another Might as Well. Cassidy into Might as Well. That's interesting. Wow. And then uh, set two, Uncle John's band, playing in the band, Terrapin Station, another Black, Black Peter, Throwing Stones, cool. And then uh, a three-song three encore. Very interesting. interesting. Yeah, so something from uh, Oakland, California at the Kaiser Convention Not Center. Knocking on Heaven's Door immediately followed by one more Saturday night. Yeah, I, well, I, I guess saw... they wanted to leave them partying rather than, yeah. you know, nasal-gaving. It's it's the immediate. I when I saw Dead and Co in uh, Hershey last year, they did "Death Don't Have No Mercy" into "One More Saturday Night," 
and it was just such <laughs> emotional whiplash. <laughs> it genuinely made me crack up when we got to the end of the song of Death Don't Have No Mercy, and I just heard. Uh, but I guess at about well, was it? That speed. Yeah, but but did it did it take you out of you know your headspace? Like, was it too much? Because you know what I mean. For like... about thirty seconds, it was. I got into okay. it. You know, I enjoyed the one more Saturday night, and by the end of it, I was really vibing with it. But for the first thirty okay. seconds or so, the, the emotional whiplash was just so weird. I couldn't help but laugh. Yeah, no, because it just reminds me of my experience with J Red, where they 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 dump into Morning Dew, and Tom just took it like so big, and it was like, yeah, you know, it 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 can be, it doesn't have to be like that, you know, yeah. um, and and so it's just interesting when you know, yeah, the, the dead can be interpreted so many different ways, but there's also ways I think that that it doesn't really work to be interpreted that way. Those, yeah, I just wanted to you know compare that story, but anyway, um, let's talk about signing off, um, you know. We do this for fun. Uh, we hope you guys are having fun. If you are, please smash that subscribe button. Please like it and share it on whatever platform uh, you are listening to it as um, to it on. You can find us wherever podcasts are downloaded, but not ones that rhyme with Broadify. Um, so nice. that yeah, so that so they won't be able to tell you how many if you're like a help on the way pod ultra fan because you can't find us on there. Uh, but yeah. you can find us on Podbean. Uh, at helponthewaypod.podbean.com. You can email us at helponthewaypod at gmail.com. Uh, like I mentioned before, we are uh, typically stickied on the Grateful Dead subreddit. That's reddit.com slash r slash Grateful Dead, an awesome place to talk about Grateful Dead music. And I think Game, in the next week or so, is going to be launching his Twitch channel. That's twitch.tv slash channel. Uh, Nob, anything you want to tell the uh, our tens of fans before you before we uh, say goodnight? Well, uh, as as Phil Lesh said on October 29th, nineteen seventy seven, and as I'll say right now, I want you all to know this is the happiest day of my life. <laughs> it's because it was Harry's birthday, wasn't it? Happy a happy Harry's birthday to us all. All right. Oh, I like that too. As a as a show title. All right. So um, after <laughs> uh, we're going to sign off um, for myself, Fig, and for my co-host, Nob. thanks so much for listening. Um, after you hear the music play, we will be featuring set two of October 29th, 1977.
Thank you all very much for coming. Good night.